the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. Today we'll take a look at some of the headline news and in the second half of this hour, the lighter side of the news. James Blend will join me for that and we'll share this week's Christian outlook. Bruce, um, House catched or something very like that uh, with focus on the family is going to look ahead after the Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade. We'll hear from Todd Nettleton, a voice of the martyrs about the many who are paying the ultimate price uh, to obey the Great Commission and share the gospel. You'll hear a conversation with Katie Tubb of the Heritage Foundation about the other Supreme Court decision. This one regarding the EPA and Jerry Boyer about major corporations advertising that they're going to pay for travel costs to make abortion easy for their employees. Finally, a Pittsburgh area pastor, uh, Jay Slocum, about the broad fabric of human sexuality that's been unraveling since the mid-1900s. So that's uh, coming up on this week's Christian Outlook. We invite you to stick around to enjoy that uh, these interviews from all around the country. For well, the top news story today, former Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe, the country's longest serving leader, was fatally shot while delivering a speech today. Abe was shot twice from behind by a suspect reportedly carrying a what seemed to be a handmade gun while he was campaigning for a political a candidate in Nara, Japan, according to Reuters. Handguns are illegal in Japan, which harbors some of the world's strictest gun laws. He was then transported to a hospital, but he had no vital signs upon arrival. He received 100 units of blood transfusions over four hours and died from uh, bleeding to death about five and a half hours after being shot, according to the local news outlet. Authorities tackled and detained the 41-year-old suspect, a Nara resident at the scene, as he made no attempt to run, the BBC reported. Officials then searched his home and uncovered explosives, according to, again, the same news outlet. He is a former member of the Japanese Maritime Self-Defense Force. He told police he was uh, uh, having difficulty reading this um, dissatisfied, I think is what uh, what says here, with the former prime minister and uh, aimed to kill him. Now, he hasn't been in office for, what, two years now. 67-year-old Abe served as prime minister between 2006 and 2007 and again from 2012 to 2020, citing health issues. He later said that he had an intestinal disease suffering from a relapse of ulcerative colitis. Japanese prime minister, the current prime minister, called the attack despicable and unforgivable and pledged to respond appropriately. Well, under pressure, President Biden will sign an executive action on abortion access. Two weeks after the Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade, President Biden's plan is to sign an executive order. Um, he spoke of protecting access to reproductive health. That's what they call abortion now, reproductive health. 
uh, health care services and outlined actions to attempt to mitigate some potential penalties women seeking abortions may face after the ruling, but are limited in their ability to safeguard access to abortion nationwide. The president plans to instruct the Departments of Justice and Health and Human Services to push back against any state efforts to limit a woman's ability to go across state lines, which, by the way, they can't under current law anyway. Anyway, for a legal abortion or to get federally approved abortion medication, the new battle lines are now being drawn. Calling it pure gaslighting, Karen Jean-Pierre is um, is being blasted for boasting the U.S. is stronger economically than ever in its history. Pure gaslighting, critics say. Calling efforts by the West to defend Ukraine are doomed to fail. That's what Russian President Vladimir Putin said, accusing the West of waging a proxy war in Ukraine on Thursday and said that the world should know the war is just beginning, nearly five months after launching the invasion. Everybody should know, he went on to say, that largely speaking, we haven't even yet started anything in earnest. He was speaking to his parliament. Uh, The course of history is unstoppable and attempts by the collective West to enforce its version of the global order are doomed to fail, end quote. For the first time in weeks, Putin also claimed that Russia is willing to sit down for peace talks with Ukraine, warning that the longest, the longer it lasts, the more difficult it will be for them to make a deal with us, end quote. Saying this is what happens to theocracies, a vulnerable House Democrat compared the Supreme Court's prayer decision to the Taliban and then called for court packing. I wish I had time to unpack that, but we'll keep moving. Only a month after someone tried to assassinate Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh over a leaked draft opinion indicating the court would ultimately overturn Roe versus Wade, leftists on Twitter mocked the judge for having to flee a D.C. restaurant because of protesters. Politico's Friday morning playbook reported that on Wednesday night, D.C. protesters targeting the conservative justice who signed on to the Dobbs decision overturning the constitutional right to abortion got a tip that Justice Brett Kavanaugh was dining at Morton in downtown D.C. According to the account, protesters soon showed up out front, called the manager to tell him to kick the um, justice out and later tweeted that the justice was forced to exit through the rear of the restaurant. President Biden says he intends to run for reelection, but potential 2024 Democratic contenders keep making early moves. Democratic strategist likens early visits to New Hampshire as sharks circling the chum. A top Air Force official is warning that China is now getting its hands on new military equipment five to six times faster than the U.S. Deputy Assistant Secretary of the Air Force for Acquisition, Major General Cameron Holt, made the remark during a speech in San Diego in June, according to The Drive. In purchasing power parity, they spend about $1 to our $20 to get the same capability. Holt was quoting quoted as saying we are going to lose if we can't figure out how to drop the cost and increase the speed in our defense supply chains the air force says that holt is responsible for all aspects of contracting relating to the acquisition of weapon systems logistics and operational support for the air force and provides contingency contracting support to the geographic combatant commanders throughout uh, her majesty's time the monarch of the uk She's been uh, serving as uh, a long line of prime ministers. When the queen ascended to the throne on February the 6th, 1952, she took on the responsibility of appointing the prime minister, who is, of course, sort of elected. During her time on the throne, uh, Her Majesty has had 14 prime ministers, including Boris Johnson. A prime minister's term lasts a maximum of five years. And while there, 
is uh, no um, maximum number of terms. There are no uh, maximum numbers. Most are not reelected. However, in the latest example of partisan politics, the White House blasted Mitch McConnell for threatening to tank the China competition bill and considering it a um, an arduous path. Democrats are not pursuing a constitutional amendment to abortion rights, as some uh, raised concerns that a federal bill to codify abortion rights may not be constitutional. Another avenue to enshrine said rights, a constitutional amendment does not appear to be open for Democrats. Constitutional amendments are something that the parties are Use as messaging opportunities. That's according to R Street Institute Senior Fellow for Governance, James Walner, saying they're not seriously uh, serious efforts to amend the Constitution. The process for a constitutional amendment is extremely arduous, and there is effectively no chance of an amendment enshrining abortion rights, making it past any of the several steps involved. Walner said even the decades long process of changing the balance of the Supreme Court is easier. It's a lot easier to win an election, get a president in office, to nominate a judge, to get that judge on the bench, and then find sympathetic litigants to mount a case that goes through the federal court system that ends up in the Supreme Court, and then they change the Constitution. That whole process would be easier. A leaked Biden voicemail, ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN, MSNBC, all ignored a voicemail from the the president who was not president at the time the the, uh, message was left, allegedly left for son Hunter Biden on his business dealings, despite denying ever speaking to his son on his business dealings. President Biden is reportedly struggling to inspire Democrats who say he's too passive and full of excuses. That is at least one explanation uh, regarding his executive order announced earlier today. Warning of myopic political thinking, a Washington Post columnist, James Holman, uh, is warning Democrats abolishing the filibuster for abortion is madness, in his own words. In a telling report, the jobs report will offer fresh recession clues as economists expect to see slower job growth. Boris Johnson has resigned as Great Britain's prime minister. Uh, Johnson uh, will resign after scores of government ministers had quit and advised him to do the same. So Wednesday, Johnson, the head of the Great Britain's Conservative Party, met with Chancellor uh, there, whom Johnson had appointed only on Tuesday after his predecessor had stepped down. Two possibilities exist. Johnson may stay in office until a new leader is chosen or he may step down from the position. Speculation has arisen that former Prime Minister Theresa May could serve as a temporary replacement until a successor is chosen. Army training now requires men to shower with trans women, even if they have not yet transitioned. Uh, the woke military initiative is transforming us into a laughingstock, says one observer. Breitbart reports that an army training slide obtained by Breitbart News instructs soldiers to shower with transgender members of the opposite sex, even if they have not undergone a surgical transition. The training slide offers a vignette instructing soldiers on what to do if they encounter a female soldier who identifies as male, according to the Department of Defense's personal tracking system, known as Defense Enrollment Eligibility Reporting System, but has not surgically transitioned and still has female genitalia. This is the military in the 21st century. The Daily Break Daily um, weighs in. Officer Tatum takes time out to set the record straight. Facts first, feelings second, discipline, hard work, speak truth, build character.
You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We're taking a look at some of the day's news coming up later, the lighter side of the news. So stay with us. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Texas Governor Abbott is a, has instructed state authorities to return illegal immigrants to the border. According to the Daily Wire, Texas military and law enforcement forces will begin returning migrants to the U.S. border, potentially setting up a legal battle with the Biden administration. Texas Governor Abbott issued an executive order on Thursday authorizing the Texas Department of Public Safety and the National Guard to arrest migrants caught entering the state illegally along the U.S.-Mexico border and transport them to ports of entry. Under federal law, only federal agents are empowered to enforce immigration law. So the showdown is about to begin. The Biden administration is suffering from a crisis of confidence marked by massive turnover in the White House, lack of communication with allies and out of touch comments made by both president and vice president. ABC writes that a week um, notable uh, for relative absence of Joe Biden from the national conversation has been filled in part by Democratic grumbling about the White House and about who could fill any perceived void. Biden was in campaign mode in classic battleground Ohio on Wednesday. He was there not to attack inflation or join the fight on abortion rights or gun control, but to tout progress on protecting pension plans, a vanishing benefit that's critical to labor unions, but not many other core constituencies in 2022. The U.K. seized an Iranian ship smuggling sophisticated missiles to Houthi rebels in Yemen. They announced Thursday it had seized sophisticated Iranian missiles from smugglers in the Gulf of Oman earlier this year. And what officials have pointed to as proof Tehran is supporting Houthi rebels in Yemen. With assistance provided by the U.S. Navy, the Royal Navy HMS Montrose completed two separate seizures from smugglers operating speedboats off the coast of Iran in January and February, in direct violation of a 2015 arms embargo enforced by the U.N. Security Council. Two officials with ties to Homeland Security are part of a group charged with spying on behalf of China. Reuters reports the U.S. prosecutors charged two men tied to the U.S. Department of Homeland Security as part of what federal law enforcement officials have called a transnational repression scheme on behalf of the Chinese government to spy on and harass dissidents living in the United States. Asked for comment, a spokesman for China's embassy in Washington said it was not aware of the specific situation, but that Beijing firmly opposes acts by the U.S. that groundlessly malign and smear China, end quote. The two men charged were Craig Miller, who has worked with the DHS as a uh, deportation officer for 15 years in Minnesota, and Derek Taylor, a retired DHS law enforcement agent, now working as a private investigator in California, the U.S. Department of Justice says. On Wednesday, a grand jury returned an indictment charging the two men and three others with crimes committed while acting as alleged Chinese agents, the department said in their statement. Derek Chauvin has been sentenced to 21 years for civil rights violations against George Floyd. The former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin, convicted last year of murdering George Floyd, was sentenced on Thursday to 21 years in prison on separate federal charges for violating Floyd's civil rights during the deadly 2020 arrest, with the judge calling for the ex-cop's actions, calling them unconscionable. Chauvin, who pled guilty to the federal charges in December, Already is serving a sentence uh, 22 and a half years in a Minnesota prison for Floyd's murder after a trial in state court last year. The federal sentence will run concurrently and will see Chauvin moved to a federal prison. Leftist soccer player Megan Rapinoe receives Presidential Medal of Freedom. 
The Seattle Times reports that um, O.L. Rain and USWNT star Megan Rapino, she received the Presidential Medal of Freedom from President Joe Biden on Thursday morning. Rapino traveled to the White House to receive the medal, which is considered the nation's highest civilian honor. She's the first ever soccer player and sixth ever female athlete to receive the honor. The president named 17 recipients of the honor last Friday, also including Steve Jobs. John McCain and Denzel Washington. Rapino, an Olympic gold medalist and World Cup champion, is the prominent advocate for gender pay equality, racial justice and LGBTQ plus rights. In an about face, the left is now worried about malicious tax audits. Suddenly, it matters to the left media that a government agency may be targeting individuals for apparently political reasons. Of course, that was a concern on the other side of the political spectrum, and they had no interest in it several years back. The New York Times recently reported that disgraced former top FBI officials James Comey and Andrew McCabe were subjected to intense tax audits by the Internal Revenue Service. According to the report, the audits were conspicuously raised during Donald Trump's presidency after his appointment to current IRS Commissioner Charles Reddick. While the IRS maintains that these intensive audit reviews are applied at random to only a few thousand taxpayers, the likelihood that both Comey and McCabe would have been randomly selected and subjected to these intensive tax audits appears dubious. Reddig denied any role in directing the audits and called for the agency's inspector general to investigate how both Comey and McCabe were chosen. The White House press secretary is being accused of gaslighting on the U.S. economy at the White House press briefing on Thursday. Uh, Peter Ducey from Fox News noted uh, recent polling showing that 88 percent of Americans believe the country is on the wrong track. He asked, do you think it's possible that your plan is not uh, popular with the American people right now? The press secretary answered by objecting to the suggestion that the Biden administration's plan was unpopular with Americans. She then claimed that we are stronger economically than we have been in history, citing the unemployment rate and claiming the 8.7 million new jobs uh, have been created. Uh, Her attempt at Jedi mind trick didn't go over well. Social media quickly erupted, mocking her blatant misinformation. Senator Ted Cruz observed every American except those working in the White House knows that this is true. This is not true. Rather, conservative columnist Tim Young wrote, they think you're stupid. Business reporter Carol Roth noted Q1 GDP was negative. And if the Atlanta uh, Fed Q2 projection is close, we are in a recession. Some food prices have fallen. Well, maybe there was a bit of good economic news for Americans uh, to end the week. The cost of certain foods has dropped to the lowest level in months. Cooking oils, wheat and corn prices are down significantly. Well, payrolls increased 372,000 in June, more than expected. And Texas Governor Greg Abbott issued an executive order Thursday, seemingly designed to pressure the administration to take the border crisis seriously and enforce federal immigration law. It most likely will result in a showdown. The chair of the Congressional Black Caucus snubbed President Biden. And after criticism, the Army has reinstated the high school diploma requirement as recruitment plummets. The Department of Justice is paying $1.5 million for transgender programming curriculum in prisons. And in a case of big sky hypocrisy, Governor Gavin Newsom vacations in a state he put on uh, the no travel list, that state being Montana. Chick-fil-A, well, it has uh, been named America's most popular restaurant for the eighth straight year. Well, on this day in history, 1776, Colonel John Nixon gives the first public reading of the Declaration of Independence outside the State House, now Independence Hall, 
in Philadelphia. 1796, the first American passport is issued. 1889, the first issue of the Wall Street Journal is published. 1947, demolition work begins in New York City to make way for the new permanent headquarters of the United Nations. 1947, the Roswell Daily Record, a New Mexico newspaper, quotes officials at Roswell Army Airfield as saying they had recovered a flying saucer that crashed onto a ranch. Officials then say it was actually a weather balloon. To this day, there are those who believe what fell to Earth was an alien spaceship carrying extraterrestrial beings. 1950, President Harry S. Truman names General Douglas MacArthur Commander-in-Chief of the United Nations Forces in Korea. Truman would fire MacArthur for insubordination just nine months later. 1972, the Nixon administration announces a deal to sell $750 million in grain to the Soviet Union. However, the Soviets also were engaged in buying subsidy, subsidized American grain in secret, resulting in what critics dubbed the Great Grain Robbery. 1975, President Gerald R. Ford announced he would seek a second term in office. 1994, Kim Il-sung, North Korea's communist leader since 1948, dies at age 82. 2011, former First Lady Betty Ford dies in Rancho Mirage, California, at the age of 93. Also in 2011, Atlantis thunders into orbit on a cargo run that would close out the three-decade U.S. space shuttle program. 2014, President Barack Obama appears to Congress for, or rather appeals, for $3.7 billion in emergency spending to deal with the immigration crisis on the nation's southern border, (coughs) where unaccompanied children were showing up by the thousands. Republican lawmakers reject the request. And finally, on this day in history, 2015, a technical glitch causes the New York Stock Exchange to stop trading for nearly four hours. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show coming up in just a few moments. James Blend will join me and we'll take a look at the lighter side of the news. And in the second hour of today's program, The Christian Outlook. Stay with us. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. Is aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, we're back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Joining me to take a look at the lighter side of the news, producer James Blend. Hello. Hey, James. How, How you are you? I'm doing pretty good. Did you have a good Fourth of July weekend? Yeah, it wasn't too bad. It wasn't too bad. It feels like it was a world ago, though, even with the shorter week. Yeah, I agree. It does seem like it was a long, long time ago, but we're facing another weekend, and maybe we can put things back into perspective. Happy 8th of July. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much. Well, the 4th of July, of course, brings out the um, the contest that you either are excited about or disturbed by. Joey Chestnut, once again, distinguished himself as the chomp champ in the 4th of July hot dog contest. Frankfurter munching phenomenon, or phenom, if you will, put a, a protester in a chokehold while he was gobbling his way to a 15th win on Monday at the Nathan's famous 4th of July hot dog eating contest powering down 63 hot dogs and buns at the annual exhibition of excess. So apparently someone tried to disrupt the uh, uh, the affair, and he, while still chewing on his hot dogs, managed to subdue the individual. In a decisive chow-down comeback, uh, women's record holder Miki Sudo downed 40 wieners and buns to win the women's title after skipping last year's Frankfurter Fest uh, because she was expecting 
A spectator wearing a Darth Vader mask rushed the stage, momentarily disrupting the competition. So he might have had more than 63 if that hadn't happened. Chestnut put the protester in a brief chokehold before the contest officials hurried over and escorted the intruder away. Another protester in a white stormtrooper mask had also snuck behind the competitors and hoisted a sign saying, Expose Smithfield's Death Star. Smithfield manufactures um, Nathan's famous hot dogs. Well, after the altercation, Chestnut went back to the task of um, of eating, devouring more hot dogs. Monday marked the contest's return to its traditional location outside of Nathan's flagship shop in Brooklyn, uh, Brooklyn rather, uh, Cody Island neighborhood. Um, the event was relocated in 2020 and last year because of the coronavirus pandemic, it had relocated as well. I don't like to watch this thing. It's just kind of. Ugh. I can't watch it. I. I... I think pretty much these days the the extent of my in, in interest in it is did Joey Chestnut win again? Okay, cool. Yeah, he he did. That's that's a you know I'm, I'm usually mildly curious. All right, I'm going to eat this time, but other than that, I I don't I could not watch it. I think I would uh, have trouble with my my own gag reflex uh, <laughs> if uh, if I tried to watch it. Just the, yeah, the gross. Yeah, it's not fun to watch that kind of excess. Yeah. Well, a mall in Wilmington, Delaware, speaking of things I don't necessarily want to see, has left a whopper of an impression online this week. A vintage Burger King fast food restaurant at the Concord Mall has gone viral following a tweet about the nostalgic spot this week in Philadelphia. The Burger King on the mall's first floor is behind a wall with a locked door, a site that struck mall vendors uh, when... Um, it was shared online. The photo resurfaced this week and highlighted the restaurant's old school interior, especially its tables and floor. It's kind of cool, uh, said observers. Well, the Twitter user, in response to the viral treat, rep- tweet rather, replied with a video inside the abandoned restaurant and described it as a back room from uh, when she worked there back uh, many years ago. The restaurant opened in the mall in 1987, originally appeared among stores such as Jefferson Ward, F.W. Woolworth, Five and Ten, and Strawbridge um, Clothier. It ended up behind a wall after the restaurant closed in 2009. Well, the mall's current owner uh, purchased the property in 2020, and the general manager said they didn't think a Burger King uh, was going to be that popular at that location. Now that the tweet about the Burger King has sparked new attention, the mall is hoping to get the site filled again. Among the um, artifacts was a carefully preserved Whopper and fries. Carefully preserved yeah in other words they left it out and the the uh preservatives involved uh, kept it nice and yeah which makes you kind of wonder about uh-huh, what's in the burger <laughs> yeah what's mm-hmm. in this stuff i did see i i did see this as well i mean it is kind of fascinating to you know almost like traveling back in time 20 years but uh you know i remember 20 years ago not not that uh in 30 years ago you know the 90s is wow that's 30 years ago now that's weird. yeah isn't that odd to think one of my all-time favorite burgers was the herfie's hefty burger herfie's wasn't around for very long but the buns were fresh it's like they just freshly baked them those were my favorite burgers but they i don't know if they were around for years or just <laughs> a year but herfie's hefty burger and it's also interesting to look back at the decor at some of these uh, restaurants that yeah. were so familiar today, how much it's changed over time. You don't think about it, but the colors, the decor, the way things are situated changes pretty those, dramatically. I mean, thinking about burgers back in the 90s, one of the briefly popular was, uh, was it Hot and Now, I think it was called? 
Um, there were just these little drive-through stands mm-hmm. that were all around town for maybe two, three years tops in the nineties. But uh, they certainly leave their mark because I still see go. Oh, that obviously used to be a hot and now. Mm. Yeah, the, now. the decor of the yeah the, the, the decor was so of the structure exactly was so distinct. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, the back in the seventies and eighties. Remember Photomat? Oh yeah. Those, I mean, you know, those were around for years and years, and you go, oh, well, that uh, that coffee shop used to be a photomat. <laughs> Starting to sound like my parents. You know, when you have a history, and I have a much longer history than you do, being much older, and having grown up here. I, I, like, um, the, I like the use of the word much, just because it makes me feel a little <laughs> bit younger than I actually am these days. Hey, don't downplay growing older. It's, there's a lot, of, a lot of good about it. Anyway, an Italian owner of the world's largest collection of Pepsi cans broke his own Guinness World Record when his current total was verified. It includes 12,402 different cans of Pepsi. How many? 12,402. Uh, he originally earned the Guinness World Record for the largest collection of Pepsi cans back in March of 2004 when his collection was tallied at 4,391. Well, Guinness said that he has now officially broken his own record with significantly more from 4,000 to 12,000. He said he and his brother started collecting Pepsi cans in 1989 after becoming enamored with the um, Back to the Future trilogy. The brothers collected items related to the films, including the futuristic can of Pepsi Perfect from Back to the Future Part 2. The brothers then branched out into collecting Pepsi cans in general, which now reside in his basement. The collector said that his own cans uh, from 81 different countries and the oldest dating back to 1948, the first year the beverage was sold in a can. He says he's now planning to turn his collection into a mini museum. Are you going to frequent a museum of old Pepsi cans? No, no. Huh. More than 15,000 different cans will be displayed. But day by day, the number will increase, making each visit a unique experience, even after several times the collector wrote on his website. So he's anticipating people will come and come again. You know, yeah, I, I, no. I think about 12,000 Pepsi cans, and I think that's just slightly more than what I had the first time we were able to go to Bottle Redemption after the pandemic. <laughs> you could have set up your own museum. <laughs> I could have. I, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, the first thing I think of when I hear 12,000 Pepsi cans is, golly, that's $1,200 in Bottle Redemption. That's what I'm thinking, too. And then the one from 1948, I'm guessing he could probably get a pretty penny for that. Uh, or 10 cents. Well, there's that. Hey, I want to remind you that National 7-Eleven Day is approaching. Oh, wow. It is. It's slurpy time, isn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah. It'll be, what is that, Monday? Oh, I think well, Monday I, th- is I, think, the 11th. I think we need to make a trip. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Bojangles CEO John Armario and Chief Brand and Marketing Officer Jackie Woodward um, discussed an initiative to lessen the pain at the, well, that's a whole different thing. If you're looking for a fun activity with your kids, here's something to do. National 7-Eleven Day is back. And nothing says summer quite like a refreshing Slurpee to beat the heat. If the machine is working and they notoriously break down. Well, this year's 7-Eleven Slurpee Day is celebrating the brand's 95th birthday with the biggest and best deals yet. The first time ever, Slurpee Day is taking place across all 7-Eleven Speedway and Stripe stores. The retailer is giving customers 11 days in which to redeem their free small Slurpee drink from the 1st of July through the 11th of July. So you can actually redeem it now via Ooh. 7 Rewards Loyalty Program. I'm not sure what that means, but 
The executive vice president and chief marketing officer at 7-Eleven said Slurpee Day is quite a celebration. We're thrilled to be celebrating Slurpee Day for the first time across all our banners so we can spread the Slurpee drink birthday love even further. Customers will also receive an exclusive Slurpee Day cup, which they can refill and sip on for just a dollar. There's also a limited time mystery Slurpee flavor that customers can try called What the Fanta. And 7-Eleven is offering 11 days of $1 in-store deals on all grilled items and customer favorite snacks as well. So they're they're throwing it all in for a Slurpee day. Well, Slurpee season in this case started on the 1st of, uh, of July. Well, yeah, you have only a few more days to get it to get it taken care of. But, 95th uh, anniversary. 95th. Wow, that's Here's the question. You talk about the the uh the inefficiency occasionally of the Slurpee machine itself. Mm-hmm. Um you know, it does beg the question um uh, that we can ponder during the break here. Um what breaks down more often? The Slurpee machine at 7-Eleven or the McFlurry machine at McDonald's? That's a good question. I, I can tell you right now, I run other. about 50% on that McFlurry. <laughs> yeah, I don't get Slurpees that often, but when I do, there's always a man down. <laughs> one Slurpee flavor, and Is, it tends yeah. to be the oh, one yeah. I want. I'm sorry, we're out of that one, or it's not working. Or That happened to me recently at the uh, movies with Icy's, which are, of course, a fairly similar yeah. item. Yeah. Um, but uh, it was, uh, yeah, the flavor I wanted was, of course down we can put a man on the moon but we can't keep a slurpee or mcflurry machine functioning we cannot there ought to be a law there there really ought to be we're going to take a break we'll ponder all of that you're listening to the georgine rice show back in a moment you're listening to the georgine rice show podcast is aired on 93.9 kpdq as promised we're back more reliable than the slurpee machine or the mcflurry machine we're back speak for yourself okay i'm back well, no, no, I, I meant uh, I, I was questioning my reliability, but that's okay. Okay, moving on. Okay. You know, it takes a lot for a, a professional athletic team to win the big prize. Um, you've got the Super Bowl ring. You've got the, what do they do in basketball? They win what? That's a trophy. A pennant, a trophy or something. And that, that, all I think all of them do rings, but there are, there, everyone has a trophy and yeah, everyone has a, a ring. Yeah, there's always a trophy. Yeah. Well, a couple that watched the Stanley Cup finals were shocked when the trophy was mistakenly delivered to their home. Most hockey players have never uh, had the chance to win the prized Stanley Cup trophy, but one Denver-Colorado couple didn't have to spend a single second on the ice in order to hold it. Well, this couple, they were at their home in the city's uh, hilltop neighborhood when the trophy was delivered on Tuesday. At just under three feet tall, the Stanley Cup arrived in a case and was meant for Stanley Cup champion player Gabriel Langan something. According to Denver News, um, he lives in the neighborhood and his address is similar to the couple's, but of course not theirs. Well, the player, the captain of the National Hockey League's Colorado Avalanche, helped his team clinch the 2022 Stanley Cup Finals against the Tampa Bay Lightning on Sunday. Well, Colorado Avalanche left wing Gabriel, whatever his name is, lifts the Stanley Cup after the team defeated the Tampa Bay Lightning, knowing that one day it would be his. Well, the man who delivered the trophy, Hockey Hall of Fame's keeper of the cup, Philip Pritchard, allowed uh, the couple to lift the cup, the trophy rather, just like the NHL players do after they win the championship. The couple had watched the uh, the finals and were pretty much thrilled. It made our day, and it was something that we'll be able to talk about and laugh about for as long as we live. And, of course, it was quickly 
taken from them and delivered to the correct address. But wow, what an opportunity. Yeah, I mean, every once in a while you'll see things uh, uh, that the Stanley Cup does travel quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen it pop up here in Portland a couple times, either at uh, Winterhawk Games or Nike or whatnot. Uh, I've never had a chance to see it myself, but uh, I, I think that would, you know, I'm not the hugest hockey fan. I enjoy it, but I wouldn't call myself a fan. But uh, given the opportunity, I'd, I'd love to see the Cup up up close and personal and uh, hoist it as it were oh absolutely i definitely take my picture or have my picture taken holding the I've, stanley cup I've, I've had my picture taken with a couple of the various trophies over the years in, in sports and uh, that would i would love to add that to my collection i've had my picture taken with a cup of coffee it's not quite the same but wow that's sad that's just <laughs> there's no other of, word that's just sad kind of pitiful well a french chess club unofficially broke a Guinness World Record by building a chess piece measuring more than 20.6 feet tall. The question? Excuse me? Why? Well, the Sautron um, Chess Club said it built the nearly 4.2 ton chess king uh, in their area um, to commemorate the currently running 20th International Open in the city. The chess piece is made from more than 768 pieces of French wood and took more than 700 hours to build, the club said. The French Chess Federation shared photos of the chess piece being assembled on Twitter, if you're interested. The current Guinness World Record holder for um, largest chess measures 20 feet tall. It was assembled by the World Chess Museum in St. Louis, Missouri in 2018. Well, this new chess club and chess piece... Uh, they plan to submit uh, evidence uh, for the record-keeping organization to have its piece officially recognized as the current uh, world record holder. 20.6 feet, a tall 4.2 ton chess piece. You have to have a lot of time on your hands and very little else to do. Well, the question is, I mean, how on earth do you play with it? Well, I don't think you do. I mean, that board has to be huge. Yeah. Yeah, they just made a point, and that's the end of it. I think I I, I can understand. I said centimeters! (laughs) Little miscalculation. I think I mentioned here a couple of weeks ago, I was uh, trying to get back home from North Carolina after emceeing at a national conference there. And it was quite an ordeal. Since then, I've been much more aware of the challenges people have had coming and going uh, to wherever they're coming and going from because of the cancellations, the pilot shortages, strikes, and all of that. Uh, And I recall when I discovered that my first flight, the flight from Portland to North Carolina, which should have told me everything I needed to know about my flight home, um, I ended up on hold on the phone trying to rebook the flight. Well, one passenger, according to this story, drove to the airport to rebook the flight after sitting on hold for four hours at a call center. Uh, The American Airlines, and that was the same airline customer, uh, grew so frustrated that its mobile app, website, and chat platform that he drove to the airport after spending four hours on hold. If you want to get something done, you have to do it yourself. Well, the age-old phrase rang true for radio station manager Brian Driver. When his business meeting in Denver wrapped up two days earlier, um, the week of Father's Day, he called American Airlines to rebook, only to be faced with an eight-hour callback time. 
Eight hours. Eight hours. And this has been by far the worst airline call center experience I've ever had, he told the Wall Street Journal. Well, Driver had first tried to change his flight on the airline website on June the 16th, according to the journal. When it wouldn't let him rebook, he tried American Airlines mobile app that got similar results. Though he managed to reach an agent on the chat platform who rebooked his flight, he said the agent couldn't change his preferred seat. Well, he didn't know it yet, but airlines had either canceled or delayed more than 10,000 flights departing, arriving, or flying within the United States that day, according to The Independent. Well, American Airlines ultimately did call driver back, but only when he was fast asleep at 1.38 a.m. When, <laughs> yeah, when he attempted to return the call later that day, the phone line was so flooded with complaints that an automated message told him to try again later. He did just that on Saturday morning, only to spend three hours and 45 minutes on hold. The disgruntled customer then just drove to Denver International Airport himself, though he eventually managed to change his flight in person. The airline was fielding uh, similar calls for days. An American Airlines spokesperson told Business Insider that weather and per, uh, weather and problems with air traffic control had caused the long hold hold times. Now, that may have been the same time period that I was trying to get a flight home. Yeah. These challenges, combined with an anomaly in the customer's booking, resulted in an experience that did not meet what we aim to deliver for our customers, the spokesperson said, adding that customer service hold times are now significantly lower. I mean, it's only like two and a half hours as opposed to three hours and 45 minutes. I, um, because I was stranded in the airport for a full day trying to get back from Charlotte, North Carolina, I'd, I'd had a short flight from Charlotte or from... Um, Oh, the small town that I was in to Charlotte. Uh, and two minutes before we were to board, the flight was canceled, stood in a line that had hundreds and hundreds of people waiting to be rebooked uh, because I ended up spending the following day in the airport. I decided uh, yeah, I had prayed the day before, Lord, I'm asking you for either a miracle or a purpose. I'm, I'm going to be content with either one. I didn't get the miracle of being rebooked and being able to fly home that that night. But I did uh, I did say, okay, then I know you have a purpose for me. So I went back to the desk that had uh, handled the hundreds of tired, angry, frustrated people and just thanked them. I said, you know, I know yesterday was really tough. I was one of the people in line and I want you to know that um, I appreciate what you do. I know it's very difficult. (laughs) Just went back and tried. So I tried to be generous to the people I came in contact with. Uh, But anyway, it was quite an ordeal on my flight home. It turns out I uh, was sitting next to a woman who she and I struck up a conversation pretty late in the flight. It turns out she was also a believer. She was coming back from Charlotte, North Carolina. She had been uh, booted from her flight. I think she lives in McMinnville, uh, a Christian woman who was retired, but in her retirement was traveling around the world training nurses on how to exercise their faith in their their work as nurses. And she and I had the best conversation about how to deal with the kinds of uh, disappointment that we faced in having our, our flight canceled. And um, both of us handled it very similarly in terms of uh, what we said to the Lord during that, that season. But anyway, it was a, it was a bit, a bit of a challenge. I have to say. It, re- it reminds me of a time, a number of years ago, I was uh, taking a friend of mine back to college. He was going to uh, Lewis and Clark at the time and uh, we're stuck in construction traffic. It was this time of year and uh summer session. And, uh, we got up to the uh, the person with the flag, 
you know, that says slow down, you know, go slow and stop and all of that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it had been like an hour and, you know, frustrations were mounting and I, 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 I decided to get a little rise out of my friend. And I'm like, when I get up to that guy, wait do you see, wait do you see, I am just going to blow his mind. And he's like, oh boy, what, what's he going to do? <laughs> and we get there and I roll my window down and he's just like, oh, this could be one of the yeah, most embarrassing <laughs> things I've ever seen. What is he, is he, you know, is he going to break out that New York attitude? Is is that what he's going to do? And I looked at the guy and I made eye contact. I said, rough day out here, huh? And he's like, oh yeah. I'm like, oh man, <laughs> keep smiling. You know, but you're, you're doing good work. Not everybody may appreciate it, but you're doing tough work and thankless work. And, you know, some of us actually appreciate it. And uh, yeah, it's he's shocking. Just, and he and my friend just his jaw hit the floor. <laughs> he thought for sure I was going to go off on this guy, and and just I was like, nope. Yeah, it's amazing how a little kindness diffuses what could otherwise. It's not his into fault. It. No, he, it's not. He did not decide to schedule that construction. He did not tell all the other cars to line up. And the people behind the desk at the airline, they had not canceled the flights. They weren't responsible for what happened. Oh, yeah. And trying to and, and there were people who got out of line, came up front in order to curse them out and to say things to them that, you know, they didn't deserve. Even if they had deserved it, that was inappropriate. So I mean, it's fine to assess blame, but assess blame properly, uh, you know, and don't it's the, the old term. Don't was it. uh don't uh, shoot the messenger or whatever it is, you know, or it, it's not about, uh, it's not about how we treat, I mean, that's our witness. That's our witness in public mm-hmm. um, is how we treat people. And, you know, okay, there's a time to write a letter and say, that stunk. That was an, un- that was an unfortunate series of, and I was very inconvenienced by it. And I'm disappointed in your airline. But at the same time, that, that doesn't go to the people who were not responsible for those decisions. Yeah. Even if they had been personally responsible, they still deserve a modicum of respect. And to convey your dissatisfaction in a way that's mature and effective is. Well, that's the, the thing. You're going to, you know, the, as my mom always taught me, you, you know, you, you get more flies with honey than that's vinegar. Right. Not that I really am interested in catching flies. No, I'm, I'm not particularly clarify. either. I, I am interested, however, in wrapping up the show, uh, you know, Going to the news and then into the Christian outlook. That right. that's that's a distinct interest and hobby of mine at the at this exact moment. <laughs> All right, we will take a break. We've got news and traffic coming up at the top of the hour, and in the second hour of today's program, the Christian outlook. Thanks for listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at G Rice Show. And like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.